Graham Roundtree has been announced as uh, the new coach of Munster Rugby. That was such a big momentum changer for me. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along. It's Thursdays Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. we got a busy show ahead. It's a very good day if you're a Liverpool supporter. Jurgen Klopp this evening confirming that he has signed a new four-year contract that will keep him at Anfield until 2026. We'll get the instant reaction from John Giles and also John's thoughts on another brilliant week in the Champions League. John coming your way as always at half past seven. Packed weekend coming up in the Football Championship. Quarterfinals in all four provincial championships. Uh, Conleth Gilligan and Anthony Moyles will join us after eight o'clock to look ahead to them. Stephen Ward joins us on the football show. He announced his retirement from football last week. Uh, 50 caps for the Republic of Ireland. Over 150 appearances in the Premier League as well. So that coming away after nine o'clock and there's any amount of live football happening. Uh, the not so small matter, or is it at this stage, of Manchester United against Chelsea, what would usually be one of the biggest games of the Premier League season. That gets underway at 7.45. There are semi-finals in the Europa League with West Ham at home to Eintracht Frankfurt and Rangers away to Orby Leipzig, while Leicester are at home to Roma in the semi-finals of the Europa Conference League. We'll keep you up to date with all of those as well. 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch. Richie McCormick is with us. Evening, Richie. How are you, Nathan? Uh, Joe Malloy should be there as well. How are you? Very good, gents. How are you doing? So massive, massive news, breaking news. It got the full giant breaking news strap on Sky Sports News a little bit earlier. Uh, that Jurgen Klopp has signed a contract extension that will keep himself and his backroom team at Anfield until 2026. Uh, the news started to emerge earlier today. This, I think after speculation over the last few months, Richie, that maybe Klopp would give it another year, another couple of years. To be honest, I always felt that a message will come out one April afternoon that he was sort of done at the end of a season and that'd be him gone and he would burn brightly and then just disappear and take a couple of years out from the sport but it seems as though he sat down with his wife and she said I want to stay in Liverpool I don't see us leaving anytime soon and he said sounds good to me and uh, well this is at a time when Liverpool couldn't really be flying any higher uh, and a massive massive show of faith in what they're trying to do yeah, this will almost feel like a trophy for certain Liverpool fans this evening, I think. Getting getting to know that Jurgen Klopp is going to stick around for a further uh, four years, essentially extending his contract by two. <clears throat> it's it's massive for them. Like, it's absolutely massive. And it, it's it's huge given the points that Liverpool found themselves at, I think, just over a year ago when, you know, losing at home to Fulham and it looked like things were starting to, to drift after that year of, of winning the league and COVID and all that. And, uh, you know, Klopp was talking about energy levels and whether or not he was actually going to be able to stick around for the for the foreseeable future. Like people would have thought that he would go before 2024, that perhaps this would have been the end of his his tenure. But no, like this season has rejuvenated both him and the team to untold levels. We saw in January refreshing the side with Luis Diaz. I think it's going to happen even more so in the summer because there's a lot of areas in terms of age that are getting older and older in that side. And he's the man he feels to do that. And he's the man to breathe new life into that squad. And you can only imagine the atmosphere around uh, Kirby this afternoon when when they found out that the cops going to be sticking around for another two years because they will be buzzing off the back of last mm. night alone because last night's performance 
like the, the the scoreline I don't think does justice to how well Liverpool played or how dominant they were last night in the first leg of a Champions League semi-final off the back of that to still have an FA Cup final to come uh, to still have five games to go in which they can possibly win the Premier League and then they find out that their Svengali is sticking around for another four years that place will be a party central uh, without the booze it seems this evening well, Joe, Liverpool supporters, wherever they are in the world, should be down on their hands and knees and praising the Lord for the day that Jurgen Klopp arrived at that club. Because while I think expectations were high when he came in in 2015 and there was a definite understanding of what he had achieved at Borussia Dortmund in a similar scenario <laughs> where not the club with the resources of Bayern Munich, but had still achieved some wondrous things. But also there was a sense of the connection he had with the supporters. But what he has done has far surpassed, I think, what anyone could have expected. Maybe not in terms of trophies. Yes, he got them the title. He got them a Champions League. But in terms of the level of consistency he has managed to bring the club to, that you can legitimately say that if they're not the best team in Europe, they're certainly in the top two. And while Brendan Rodgers was a very good manager at Liverpool and got them close to the promised land of a league title... I don't think he ever got them anywhere near where Klopp has got them to. In fact, you know, there's not many managers that have got them to where Klopp has got them to. No. I think Liverpool under Klopp are the envy of every single football club in the world. Without question. And you have to remember that he finished eighth in his first year with them. Mm. So what he has done has been outstanding. It's hard to think of a better job. It ranks up there with what Ferguson did with Manchester United, absolutely. The only thing uh, which doesn't compare yet is the longevity, and there's not much Klopp can do about that. Um, I really thought it was over last year. I thought it had gone the way of Dortmund, in so much as you can be sure about these things, but he had a horrific COVID. His mother died, uh, he looked bereft, he looked empty. The team looked finished. I thought, after the unbelievable efforts to hit 97 points and finish second and win the Champions League, to win the league with 99 points. And then suddenly they dropped to 69 points and third. And he hated COVID. He was on the record. Well, we all hated COVID. He was on the record about hating uh, football without fans. And he struck, I think, a lot of us as somebody with a perspective beyond football who would just walk away and replenish his soul and that he needed to be enjoying his football and his professional life to stay anywhere. And, you know, I mean, there were tears at Dortmund when he left, even though things had fallen off a cliff. And mm. everything just looked like it had been a wonderful time, but it was empty. And I suspect Liverpool fans were desperately hoping Klopp would find a second wind. I mean, what a second wind. I now think they are poised to have his best period at the club. You look at the squad, you look at where he is, he's got complete control. Everything's aligned beautifully. Edwards' departure is a slight concern. I don't know to what extent Edwards is responsible for the levels of genius we've seen in the transfer window, but that's a concern. But in every other aspect, everything is set up for the most remarkable couple of years. And Man City's squad, they're going to have to spend this summer to keep up with Liverpool. So both in Europe and the Premier League, and who knows how this season finishes. I totally agree with you both. I mean, Liverpool fans will be having a party. It's just remarkable. And uh, one last point to make is, you know, even from eighth to fourth to fourth in those initial three years. What was just so instant was the cultivation of an atmosphere and a relationship with the city and with the cop. And, you know, from the, the 
maligned too old old West Brom where he's celebrating mm. in front of the Klopp, cop, excuse me. Uh, he's created something which, as I said, is the envy, I think, of pretty much every um, football fan in the world because like football is so homogenized and soulless and empty right now that to have something real, and he's the reason it's real, is uh, really remarkable. So it's, uh, you know, you'd be jealous of Liverpool. I mean, enjoy the next few years because when he's gone, he's gone. It is that rejuvenation that they have shown over the past 12 months that really cements the comparison with Ferguson as well. That while Manchester United had sustained success, there were times where you thought, well, this there's a dip and Arsenal emerge or Chelsea emerge. Yet he had something inside him that was always able to bring the club back together. And the club is clearly a world-class coach. He's clearly a, a world-class tactician. But just as a man, like he's a brilliant brilliant man and I think you touched on it there that connection that he has been able to make that emotional connection a club that really does thrive on emotion that rightly or wrongly whether you believe it or not feels that being at Anfield on a European night under the lights means that little bit more that he has somehow tapped into that and and let it run through the team in a positive way that they're not overwhelmed when they play at Anfield by the noise and the expectation and the pressure that actually they can use it as such a positive thing (coughs) just again underlines that there's something different about him and and the emotional intelligence he has as well I saw pictures again last night of Sean Cox over at Anfield and you know he was so to the fore around that time of the club getting behind the Cox family and how he talks about Hillsborough and his understanding of of the history and just the way he talks about issues at a time in modern football and modern sport which is full of corporate bullshit and jargon and nobody in positions of power willing to say anything Klopp is always the first one who will say the right thing and I think to have him in English football and the football that we cover most for the next four years is a a really brilliant thing and you're right when you look at the squad and the depth that is there right now it does feel as though that the best years may still be to come maybe the best weeks are to come the one caveat to that is that Manchester City have all the resources in the world and may sign Erling Haaland and may also sign Declan Rice and after that may try and sign Kylian Mbappe mm. but that's that's that it feels is the challenge uh, that he wants and like last the, the past the past week is probably up there with the best that Klopp has had when you look at the performances Joe because yeah it's Manchester United and Everton and you know they're both probably at as low an ebb as they've been in the Premier League era. But it felt there would be an emotion going into that game that, that maybe be too much for Liverpool, that something would just happen. If they destroy Manchester United, Everton's an absolute scrap that they just stand tall in and get through. And then last night is as dominant a semi-final as you'll probably see in the Champions League where you know Villarreal really didn't get a sniff. Now, it's not to say it's done and Villarreal at home, I'm sure, will look to try and create their own kind of magic. Uh, so the next few weeks are going to be fascinating because what are we saying about Klopp if Manchester City don't lose a game and Manchester City mm. beat them in a Champions League final and you know Chelsea have one game left this season where they need to perform and they win an FA Cup. Like the trophies do matter as well. They do, but I, I think everybody understands the, the 97 points in second place finish and that Champions League winning season is extraordinary because he's against Pep Guardiola who's had a more profound effect on football in the 21st century and probably beyond than any other figure. So he's going up against something 
absolutely outrageous as well. So it is about more than the trophies. And, you know, let's not beatify him either. He's not a saint. He is narky. He's grumpy. He's the winner. I'll be tuning in with great relish to his interview with Des Kelly on Saturday after they've been forced by BT to play at half past 12 on a Saturday morning. They're going to give it to Des. And, uh, you know, (laughs) so he's all these kinds of things and, and, and he's just compelling. And, you know, to your point about getting involved in, in issues, like, uh, to an extent, one of my favorite things about him is he will often be asked a question and he'll say with some degree of anger, why are you asking me this? I'm a football Hmm. manager. I don't know anything about that. You know, just because I know about football does not mean I know about chemistry. So just go away. And I, and I kind of like that about him. But then I do also admire on certain issues where he feels strongly, uh, like one jumps to mind where there was homophobic chanting by Liverpool fans who are not saints either. And we can, you know, beatify them a little bit too much as well. And he did a, a remarkable interview with a Liverpool supporter who was gay and they teased out why that's so hurtful. And I thought not every manager would take the opportunity to go against a section, a small section of his own fans. I think a lot of managers would say, no, let's just leave it. But he didn't and he doesn't. And so, you know, for all those reasons, I agree with you. The, the longer he stays in English football, better. Um, so I like, I hope Pep stays too. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a golden age. <clears throat> uh, the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Get your text into 53106. We're on all the social channels at Off the Ball. Uh, Tommy Rooney is coming stomping in on my turf in so many <coughs> ways right now, Joe. Richie, he is live with us on the line. He says, let me on, lads. Let me on. I've got to talk about Tommy Rooney and the football pod coming to Mayo for what they're telling me is going to be a sold out show I've never done a sold out show in Mayo never done a sold out show in my homeland but this is what this is where Tommy Rooney is starting the football pod live are you there Tommy? Hi Nathan hi Joe hi Richie oh Tommy big time they've gone big time Thank you for the airtime, lads. Yeah, oh, big, the, big the fake, today. The fake humility. You've outgrown us. We are the kind of, oh, thank you for the airtime. Listen to this. Not in the slightest. When we <laughs> talk about outgrowing, not at all. Wait till we get to it. Um, Nathan, <laughs> thank you very much. You have brought us back to your homeland. You brought us back to the roots, the core of the football pod in many ways. We're going to Castlebar on June 2nd, the Thursday before the June Bank Holiday Weekend. The Thursday before the qualifiers, which is really all anyone's thinking about right now. Yeah, Mayo Dublin, June the fourth. That could be the one to look at. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, we've got the four provincial finals the weekend beforehand. We've got the qualifiers and the Talchin Cup starting the weekend after, and in the middle, on the Thursday, the second of June, the Football Pod Live. Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. We're going to the Royal Theatre in Castlebar. You can go get your tickets right now. They're they're selling pretty fast. OTBSports.com forward slash events. And uh, we're really, really looking forward to it. Like, can I ask Tommy? Can I ask? Will, will James O'Donoghue be in Keith Higgins' pocket for the entire time he's in Mayo? That that is a very good question, and I, that's that's one question that was asked in our WhatsApp group earlier on. And the other one is, how many medals should Paddy Andrews bring with him down to Mayo? Like, what's Oof. rude? Jeez, that's a, that's not the best sales tactic at all, now, is it? I got to say, this is brave business. You're taking a Meath man, a Dublin man, and a Kerry man into the heart of Mayo. This is interesting. Just yeah, like football. Can we record the booing? That, that, that is a possibility and we are more than able to take it now we are hoping to have a couple of Mayo legends there in the night we will have a couple of Mayo legends there in the night so I'm not going to let you guess who that's going to be Nathan but Murphy. that will be revealed I'll be there, I'll be there guys don't you worry thanks Tommy Nathan, thanks for the big build up we are looking for you to be there too just, just to remind you like 2019 you two boys were involved in one of the biggest shows that Off The Ball has ever done road shows going on the road 
has been the fabric of Off The Ball for such a long time. It's been such a big part of what we've done. One of my favourite parts of working with Off The Ball were the GA roadshows we used to do. And the ones in Mayo were always legendary. Were you on the one with the lock-in in Westport with Tomas O'Shea and Liam McHale? No, but tell us more. Mick McCarthy's got his hand raised. Tell us more. <laughs> I don't know how much time I've got, but like that is, they are the nights of Off The Ball. They're the great nights. So come join us on the night. I'm not promising you that Paddy Andrews will buy you a pint, but there's a chance to grab a pint of Paddy and James afterwards as well. All right. So remind us of the date. So it's Thursday, June the 2nd. It is the Thursday before that bank holiday weekend in June. It is the Thursday before the qualifiers and uh, the Tatchin Cup begins. And it's the weekend after the provincial final. So the, the football <laughs> will have heated up. Owen Sheen has said we're guaranteed leaving cert weather. Vibes are going to be good. Championship is going to be at a, at a really hot place as well. So we're looking forward to it. And hopefully we'll see you there. Go get your tickets. You can search for them on Ticketmaster or otvsports.com forward slash events. All right, Tommy, thank you very much. The Football Pod Live coming to Mayo. First time we'd have done a roadshow in Mayo since Kevin Caban went to Ackle and they were queuing around the block for an hour to meet him. So uh, it's going to be a big night. It's going to be a big night of uh, Paddy and James and Tommy trying to steal the show. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. Thanks for joining us, Tommy. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Get your tickets right now. Uh, John and Claire text in. 9% rent increase. Not a house to live in in the country. Two years of COVID. No childcare. Massive hospital waiting list. And now you're telling me you can't even get a cup of tea in a Mars bar on the train. What is becoming of this country? At least we've got the Munster round robin. What's all this about not being able to get a cup of tea in a Mars bar on the train? It was on the news just before you came on, you dolt. Would you ever pay attention to what goes on the station? Shocking. Someone's talking in my ear. Is is this a law? Or (laughs) they, they, they just can't get the staff? I don't know. It's, it's, there's, there's some kind of goings on with Irish Rail whereby they can't uh, provide on train uh, catering, I think they call it. So, yeah. Right. And it's going to be for the foreseeable future, it seems. So, BYOB. BYOB, exactly, Richie. Well, thanks for that text, uh, John and Claire. Uh, where are you starting, Richie? Uh, Anfield, Jurgen Klopp signing that new contract to remain as Liverpool manager. His fresh four-year deal replaces the contract that was due to expire in 2024 and he'll now remain until 2026. Klopp's assistants Pep Linders and Peter Kravitz have also extended their stays in Anfield. The German turns 55 this summer and his new contract will take him up to 11 years with the Merseyside Giants and speaking to the club's website he explained his reasons for staying. Because Ola wants to stay and as a good husband what are you doing when your wife wants to stay? stay and that's not the only reason but it's one of the reasons and um, easy decision eh? you know I love our club and um, it's the best place to be 100% um, and yeah I feel really really lucky that what is now six and a half years ago um, FSG thought would be a good idea to bring this German fella in and um, here we are and now we like bad smell who's stuck around um, and will stay for another two. Makes it four from now on. Wow, that's a long time in football. Hope we all will enjoy the time together. Uh, 15 minutes salivating about Klopp. What about Wenger Mourinho? Klopp has one premiership title. Get a grip. Uh, well, listen, if uh, Jose comes through in the Europa Conference League later this evening, we'll spend a good 15 minutes salivating about Jose Mourinho. Uh, speaking of Jose Mourinho, Chelsea-Manchester United should be one of the biggest games in a Premier League season, Joe, shouldn't it? Feels like a complete uh, afterthought. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, like, I just had a look at the Man United team there. I mean, what can you say? Well, give it to us, Richie. 
Uh, yeah, Manchester United going into tonight's Premier League game with Chelsea off the back of back-to-back defeats. Uh, David De Gea starts in goal for them. A back four of Diogo Dalot, Victor Lindelof, Rafael Varane and Alex Telles in midfield. And they've got Scott McTominay and Nemanja Matic, fresh off his sign language to Arsenal fans of the weekend. Anthony Alanga, Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford are in behind Cristiano Ronaldo. For Chelsea, Edward Mendy starts in goal. They've got a back three of Cesar Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva and, and the departing Antonio Rudiger. Uh, from right to left across the midfield, it's Reese James, Jorginho and Golo Kante and Marcus Alonso then Mason Mount and Timo Werner are in support of Kai Havertz kickoff at Old Trafford is a quarter to eight if they won their four games United could get to 66 points Arsenal are on 60 with five games remaining it's done isn't it it's done Mm -hmm. yeah I know it's done do you you want to hear the United bench tonight for a billion quid (laughs) Tom Heaton bunch of teenagers Tom Heaton Tom Heaton Dean Henderson Eric Bailly Phil Jones Alvaro Fernandez, Hannibal uh, Morgibal Shola Short here Alejandro Garnacho Ferreira and to save the day Juan Mata every time and it's it's a shame on poor old Juan Mata who's had a very good career Premier League winner uh, thoroughly nice guy by all accounts but every time he comes off the bench in the last month for Manchester United go poor old Juan sums up Manchester United's problems maybe more than anybody else right now how is this still happening <laughs> he's got a watertight contract and he's perfectly happy to hang around Manchester uh, the word yesterday is Ten Hag is planning one-on-one Zoom calls with each of the players to send them out about uh, the general goings on so I, we can only hope this that. is hacked and, and recorded and, and spread like the Shrewsbury Council uh, meeting I'm sure it will to, uh, watch it yeah no, uh, knowing how leaky the United players are I'm sure it will and added to that as well uh, Ralph Rangnick according to multiple reports across Germany and Central Europe this evening is set to take on the Austria job which could well work in tandem with his consultancy role at Old yeah. Trafford so that place is going to be interesting and Rich, sorry, I didn't see. Did is is Harry Maguire injured, or do we think he's just been taken out of the firing line? Given everything, I think he's been taken. I think he's been taken out of the firing line. Um, okay. There's uh, the uh, the official word. I think is that he's you know has a, has a knock and he's being rested. But you know after okay. the break in, and after the nonsense that he's had to endure from United fans for the past six months and more, I think he's just been uh, I think rested and set aside and and let to regather his thoughts. So United Chelsea, understandably overshadowed by the Champions League this week, probably been a little bit overshadowed tonight as well, uh, Richie, by the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, because <laughs> historic for West Ham and Leicester and Rangers. Yeah, a weird bit of symmetry for West Ham. It's their first uh, European semi-final in 46 years, and wouldn't you believe it, they're playing the exact same opposition as they did during that 76 Cup Winners' Cup semi-final. That's Eintracht Frankfurt. Tonight's other semi-first leg sees Rangers away to Orby Leipzig, and as he mentioned, it is the Battle of Brodge versus Jose at the King Power with Leicester up against Roma, while in Rotterdam, Feyenoord play host to Marseille. Uh, so Ireland have their final Six Nations game at the weekend. Team news in for that match against Scotland? Yeah, Ireland boosted by the return from injury of Sam Monaghan for Saturday's TikTok Women's Six Nations closer against Scotland. She'll pack down in the second row alongside captain Nicola Friday. Nikki Cawhey comes in for Nicole Cronin at out half and Molly Scuffle McCabe switches to the wing. That's in the absence of Emer Considine. So there's a debut for Vicky Irwin at fullback. A win over the Scots at Kingspan Stadium will secure a fourth spot in the tournament. And despite the heavy nature of last week's defeat to England, head coach Greg McWilliams says the Ireland camp remains positive. Yeah, but like, let's be honest, we need to improve so much in so many areas. But if you look at the stats for the top five rounds and the most dominant hits of all players playing the Six Nations, Ireland are ranked one, two and three. You're the first, second and third player uh, in that order. And then Nick Friday, I think, is is sixth. You have Dorothy Wall, you have Neve Jones and Adele McMahon in there. I mean, to have four players in the top six out of the entire Six Nations for dominant tackles. Some, sometimes, like when you're building a team, 
Uh, you know, you, we've all seen it being involved in sport. We have a team and you wonder how do they win when they don't necessarily have the skill set of others. And you look at other teams that have everything that you want and they don't win. And I think one of the biggest components you can have as a team is that ability to to have your passion and have an emotional connection to what you're what you're uh, supporting. And that's what they have in spades. And that's why I'm proud as a coach. But then to be more successful in your wins, it's also about your skill set. It's about your technical understanding and execution. It's about game moments and how you can cope under pressure. That's how you eventually win more. But to have that passion is massive and to have that um, emotional connection is really important because I think by having that, you, you have a really good chance of uh, developing and hopefully we can just continue to improve our our execution and our understanding of the game. And I think then we've got a pretty good um, mixture that we can hopefully be more competitive. A couple of other bits of live sport today. Uh, Snooker, not exactly a young man's game at the moment, Richie. No, Judd Trump jokes that he's uh, reached the semi-finals of the seniors tournament. But uh, yeah, there is something to that because he leads Mark Williams by seven frames to one after the first session of their World Snooker Championship semi-final. The other semi is just underway. John Higgins playing Ronnie O'Sullivan. Higgins with the better of that so far, but O'Sullivan is currently at the table. They will play around about eight frames tonight before packing up and returning tomorrow. Well, of the four semi-finalists, Ronnie O'Sullivan is the second youngest and he's 46. Yeah, <laughs> it's an egalitarian sport, Nathan. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. listen, it's uh, for those of us who like a little bit of familiarity. It's what we want. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it wor- helps. It's worth the chat with Kent already about this. Like, you're not meant to lose a bit of something as you get older in snooker. Either the will to practice or your nerve or, or something should go. Not happening with this generation. Let's see what Ken has to say about that. He'd be busy yeah. this week. It's 25 years, isn't it? It's 25 years 25, this yeah. weekend since Ken won the World Snooker Championship. He looks younger now. Well, we'll see next week. Is he going to, are we going to get him on next week? We should get him on next week for a bit of a chat mm. about that. And I look back. Yeah. We'll yeah. do that. Uh, punch of sound, day two, Richie. Yeah, the William Mullins train classical dream claimed back-to-back wins in the champion stairs hurdle at Punches Town today. The favourite came home just over a length ahead of the Robbie Powermount of Ashdale Bob following his victory earlier in the afternoon on Magic Days. That in the handicap chase. Power announced he'll be retiring tomorrow. Quite a career he's had. He rode Silver Birch to Grand National Victory in 2007. He did the Cheltenham Gold Cup and Punches Town Gold Cup double aboard Sizing John in 2017. And his final ride will be aboard T. Hoopo in tomorrow's champion hurdle. All right, Richie. Thanks as always. Nice and lads. Joe, thank you. Thanks, lads. Golf Weekly up and available right now. It is. Joe's stunned into silence by that. But uh, it is. You can get that at otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly.